All right. Hey, good morning. Welcome to River Ridge Church. Welcome for you folks who are online. And uh, you guys notice there's a large crowd over here. These folks are from Bad Axe Methodist Church in Michigan. Do I get that right? Yes. So, I, I, by the way, that's a great name for a church. Like, if your pastor ever leaves. <laughs> and, and by the way, so the great thing about, you're going to learn something here, but the great thing about, I mean, you're going to learn something, they're going to learn something later. But the great thing about Michigan is that um, you can tell people where you live based on your hand. So this is what Michigan looks like, and then the UP is up here. And so the folks from, what's this town you guys live in? It's not called Bad Axe. It's called some, bad, okay, awesome, even better. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, but this is the thumb, and so they live up here in the top of the thumb of Michigan, right? So um, we in West Virginia also can use our hand <laughs> to tell you where we live, um, but we're not going to do that. But I guarantee if you ask anybody here how to show the state of West Virginia in their hand, they will <laughs> show you. And because, like, bad acts kind of gets close to the line of what you should say in church, where you live in West Virginia is way over the line of where you should be church, so. Um, hey, so, so glad that everybody is here uh, today, and I really believe that God has something to speak to every one of us. Uh, whether you have been following God for a long, long time in life, or whether you are new to following Christ, or maybe even you're just investigating uh, who is God and how does he fit into your life? I think that God has something in store for you this morning. And so we are on week three of this series, which we have titled Summer at the Movies. Uh, and basically for uh, the summer through the end of July and the first week of August, we're looking at the life and person of Jesus and, and the gospel and who Jesus was and his disciples and things like that. Uh, but what we're doing is kind of doing it in a creative way, and we're using a movie each week as the jumping off point to kind of talk about these things that are central to the gospel. And so as you saw this morning, we are, the movie this morning is The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and so just out of curiosity, I've done this every week, but how many of you have seen The Empire Strikes Back? Okay. How many of you have never seen The Empire Strikes Back? Okay. All right. Now, just to further that on, how many of you uh, have seen all the Star Wars movies? Yep. And you own a t-shirt and a collection set and all that kind of stuff? Yep. Okay. And how many have never, ever seen a Star Wars movie and never intend to see a Star Wars movie? Okay. So we thought masks and vaccines were divisive. Now we've got another thing to deal with. But um, so The Empire Strikes Back uh, is the second movie that came out. It ends up being number five in this list of, I guess, nine or 11 movies, depending on how you count it. Um, but the, um, this Empire Strikes Back is, is one of my favorites in large part because it introduces the character of Yoda. And he is one of my favorite characters in all the Star Wars um, movies. You know, mm, apply the sermon you will. Mm, yes, I, I just, I love Yoda. Um, and uh, so I actually saw, this is going to give away my age a little bit, but I saw uh, the very first Star Wars movie when it came out. I saw it in a drive-in when I was about seven years old, and I fell asleep in the drive-in movie watching Star Wars. So that's my uh, connection to Star Wars initially. But here's why we're talking about um, Star Wars, and we're going to talk about Darth Vader a little bit. Uh, but the message this morning is we're going to talk about uh, Judas Iscariot. So last week we talked about the 12 disciples, and we talked about how they were each unique and how some of them were called and how 
God calls us, and yet in our uniqueness, we live and follow Jesus. But I, we got to Judas, and I kind of left him out. I said, we're going to talk about him this week. And so we're going to talk about Judas this week. Um, but an interesting kind of sort of things in my week and my world. Um, so my son Riley just graduated from college in May, and he started his first real job uh, this past Monday in Iowa, of all places, uh, but he first started his first job. But as I was thinking about him and then thinking back to Judas, I remembered this kind of time frame in Riley's life. So he was three years old. We were living in Morgantown at the time. Uh, and he had this obsession with Judas. Judas the betrayer. Judas Iscariot. And, uh, and it came, I think, partly because at that time uh, I was at Chestnut Ridge Church in Morgantown. And we did a big production of the Passion Play, of the life and death and resurrection of Christ. And that year, I played Judas. And so he was kind of fascinated by this character. His dad's playing the bad guy. And so he asked me every question about Judas that could ever be asked. And, and most of them I, I couldn't answer because there is no answer. He's like, you know, why did Judas do this? What's his favorite color? What does he like to eat? I'm like, I don't know. But, but he asked all these questions about Judas and, and, and came to the realization that Judas is the bad guy right? Judas is the bad guy. That was his summation of it. But then he started this thing that <laughs> whenever he didn't like somebody or didn't like what they told him, he would call them Judas. <laughs> and so like there'd be a kid that would take his toy at preschool and go, you are Judas. You know, or like my wife, his mom, Stacy, wouldn't give him like a second dessert. And he's like, mom, you are Judas. So it was really funny, but we had to put an end to it because it could go some really bad places. Um, so anyway, but so this morning we're talking about Judas, but I chose um, Darth Vader and the Empire Strikes Back because he's, you know, kind of the star of that in, in some ways of that movie um, as kind of the villain. And, and there's this kind of part of the Star Wars, um, I want to call it trilogy, but it's not a trilogy. It's like a a nine-a-gy or something like that. But the, the, you kind of see the progression of Darth Vader and his kind of coming to the dark side. And so, and so that's kind of why I chose this. And interestingly enough, I looked this week, because um, he's kind of like the most well, or one of the most well-known villains. So I did a little Google search, like, you know, f- most famous villains from movies. Uh, and he's number three on the list. Number one is, I don't know the guy's name, Norman Bates from Psycho, which I've not seen that and have no intentions to see that. Um, Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. I mean, that just gives me the chills when I, yeah. Um, and then he's third. Anybody want to guess who's number four? It's really kind of funny. The Wicked Witch of the West from Dorothy, <laughs> from Wizard of Oz. So, um, But the other movie that I considered doing for this morning is the movie The Joker. Uh, because it's the story of Batman and, and how the Joker kind of goes from this person to, you know, a really evil kind of guy. And so that's kind of the question that we're asking ourselves this morning about Judas and, and how did he become the one who betrayed Jesus. And so in the, and if you're not familiar with the Star Wars movies and kind of things, but um, there is one movie called The Revenge of the Sith, and that's where Anakin Skywalker <clears throat> kind of becomes Darth Vader. And, you, and that probably would have been a better movie to talk about because it really kind of traces that change in him. But there's a scene at the very end of uh, Star Wars, or of The Empire Strikes Back, where Luke is talking to, to Darth Vader, right? And spoiler alert, Luke is Darth Vader's son. 
Wow. Yeah, who knew? So, <clears throat> but, but Darth Vader is trying to convince Luke to join him in the dark side. And he says this. He says, join me, and with our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. And it sounds like this pretty attractive offer, like, yeah, bring order to the galaxy and join me in the dark side. Uh, but it was kind of lies and deception and, and all that kind of stuff. And so <clears throat> because of that, we're going to talk about Judas. And we're, what we're going to do is we're going to look and we're going to ask the question, why did Judas betray Jesus? Why did he go from who he was to the man who was kind of, you know, the ultimate villain, in a sense, of the Bible, of the one that portrayed, or that, that betrayed Jesus? And, and we're going to do this for this reason, is that <clears throat> we can ask that same question of ourselves. We can kind of look in the mirror and say, why do we betray Jesus? But the chances are that you wouldn't immediately go, I mean, our, our kind of knee-jerk reaction would be like, I don't betray Jesus. I'm not like Judas. I don't betray Jesus. But yet, if we pause and take a look and we say, well, you know, are there times that you don't follow what Jesus says? Are there times that we don't follow his commands? Are there times when we shrink back and don't kind of stand up and speak out for Jesus? And we go, yeah. And so there's kind of a little bit of Judas in all of us. And so if we can look at his life and figure out why did he do what he did and use that as a mirror and say, how does that kind of reflect on my life? Why do I sin? Because whenever we sin, it pushes us away from God. It puts up a barrier. It pushes us away from God. And the more that we sin, the more that we kind of get pushed away from God. And so if we can look at Judas's life and kind of ask that question of why did he sin and why do we sin, it will both help us to kind of look forward and avoid sin, but it'll also help us to look backward a little bit and say, that's why I fell into sin. I didn't intend to go there. I didn't want to go there, but I did by looking at his life. So that's where we're going to go this morning. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time uh, together to look into your word. Uh, God, I pray that you would teach us, um, open our eyes, uh, to your truth, to your gospel, uh, but also let us see and understand Judas in maybe a light that we haven't seen or understood him before. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of real quickly walk through the life of Judas, and then we're going to come back and ask this question specifically about why did he betray Jesus. So um, I'm going to start out in Luke chapter 6. I actually read this last week as we talked through the disciples. But it says this. It says, In these days he, that's Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. He goes to the list, and then it concludes with this in verse 16. And Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And so we learn from that that Judas became a traitor. He didn't start out as a traitor. He became a traitor over time. We're not quite sure why. We'll get to that towards the end of the message. Um, but we find out that he was chosen as a disciple from the beginning. Now, at the end of Jesus' life is when Judas is kind of in full form, and there's a lot that's talked about with him. But he's mentioned twice kind of between the calling and then the last days of Jesus' life. And so I want to look at those two um, times real briefly here. The first one is in John chapter 6. Uh, this is verse 70 and 71. 
And it says this. It says, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And so he mentions, John, as he's writing the gospel, he mentions Judas by name, and Jesus answered them, saying, One of you is going to betray me. Um, and it's interesting, this passage follows a really hard teaching that Jesus gives. So Jesus gives this very sort of, um, ch- just a challenging teaching, where at, at the end of it, there's a number of disciples, not the 12, but a number of other folks that were following him around, that were like, this is too hard, we can't do this. It says the number of them backed down, uh, turned back, and no longer walked with Jesus. But yet at this time, Judas continues to walk with Jesus. And then the next one is from uh, John chapter 13. It says this. This is verse, um, I'm going to you 13 verses 4 to 6. And this is, um, it's coming at a, at a point in time where um, Mary, uh, a woman named Mary, takes really expensive perfume uh, and she pours it on Jesus as kind of a way of worship and a way of anointing him. And so it says this in verse 4. Um, wait, do I have that? No, I don't have that. Hold on. My bad. Pay no attention to the guy who's confused up front. Okay, here we go. Uh, so it's uh, verse 4. It says, But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, who was about to tra- betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put in it. And so we see here that Judas has a greedy streak to him. And so he kind of fakes this benevolence, like, hey, we could take this, this uh, perfume, it's really expensive, we could sell it, we could take the money, we could give that to the poor and look at all the good that we would do. But in fact, what he wanted was for the, the money to be sold, go into the money bag, and then he could skim money, he could steal from the money bag. That's what he was offered. So we, after, so we could see his greedy streak there. So then, shortly after this, and now we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're switching around a little bit, but we'll be in Matthew for quite a bit here. So now we come to the end of kind of Jesus' life and the end of Judas' life as well. And it says this, verse tw- uh, chapter 26, verse 14. It says, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. And so it's Judas who goes to the chief priest. He goes to the religious leaders, and he says, I know you've been after Jesus. I can hand him over to you. What will you give me in return for handing him over? And so they say, hey, we will give you 30 pieces of silver in order to do that which was a decent sum of money, but not a huge sum of money. Probably a couple hundred dollars is best kind of scholars figure that out. So he says, I'll give you, uh, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. Then it says this in verse 20. It says, when it was evening, he, that's Jesus, reclined at the table with the twelve. 
And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. So Judas asks him, he says, Is it I? And then Jesus says, Yes, it is you. There's an interesting um, detail that uh, is added in the Gospel of John. And this is John chapter, 20, uh, chapter 13, verse 26. It says, Jesus answered. So it's describing the same scene, the same situation, but there's an added detail here. Jesus answered, uh, It is he to whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you're going to do, do quickly. And so it was at that, that point that Satan entered Judas. He had already decided, but that, that, that kind of act of Satan entering him really solidified what it would be that, that this would kind of be his destiny or what he would end up following through and doing. And so then we skip back to Matthew chapter 26, and it concludes um, with this. It says, while he was still speaking, this is Jesus again, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given, him, given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And so Judas betrays Jesus. He comes up and says he's betrayed with a kiss. And it says that he was his friend. And part of the reason that this is in the Gospels is it's a fulfillment of a prophecy from Psalm 41. Psalm 41.9 says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, because they mentioned the bread, who has lifted his heel against me. And so it was prophesied in the Old Testament that Judas would betray Jesus. And then, uh, so then what happens is Jesus is arrested. Uh, He's tried by the Jewish court. He's found guilty. They want to put him to death, but they don't have the power to do that. So they hand him over to the Romans in hopes that the Romans will put him to death. And then it returns to Jesus. Excuse me, it returns to Judas. Verse 3 says, this is chapter 27, verse 3. It says, Then, when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. Now, it's interesting that Judas never really sees the end of what happens. So Judas kills himself. He commits suicide. And actually, if you read uh, in the book of Acts, it gives like another description. It says that he was bloated and his guts 
came out, if you want to read something a little bit more gory about this. But it's interesting that he never sees the end of it. Like, he never sees Jesus crucified. He kills himself before Jesus crucified. And he also never sees, obviously, never sees the resurrection of Christ. He misses out on that because he didn't, you know, just repent and kind of go back to who he was um, in, in that sense. And so there's just an interesting kind of mystery about his death, in a sense. So, but then we come to this question, and we go, why did Judas do this? Like, what contributed to him betraying Jesus, betraying this friend? And, and you think about it, and it's, it's a bit of a head-scratcher for me in a lot of ways, because you think, here's a guy who walked with Jesus for three years, and he saw the way that he loved, and he saw the way that he cared, and he saw the way that he taught, and he saw that he healed people, and he saw him. He had a front row seat to Jesus, but yet he betrays him, and Jesus, Jesus is ultimately killed as a result of his betrayal. And you say, why did that happen? What, what happened in Judas that made that happen? And so we're going to, and I'm going to give you four reasons, um, but here's the thing, and if we're to think about our own lives and the, and, and the sin that we commit, it's typically not just one reason. It's typically kind of a mixture of different things, right? Uh, let me give you kind of an extreme example, but if you had a friend who had had an affair, Right, and you were sitting with that friend and, and, and just having a heart-to-heart conversation and said, why did you do that? Why did you cheat on your wife? That person would probably not have a single specific answer. They'd probably say, well, you know, I, my wife and I, we just, we weren't doing real well. We just weren't communicating. We've kind of been, there's been a distance between us. And then there was this woman that I came across, and she was just pretty flirtatious and, and that kind of thing. And then, and then I was just also just in a tough place, just in life and battling some depression and some anxiety, and I just wasn't in a good place for myself. And then this opportunity arose, and we found the two of ourselves, you know, by ourselves and, you know, and that type of thing. And, you know, and you'd look at that, and you'd say, well, it wasn't just one reason. There were a multitude of reasons that caused that. And, and I share that as an example, not to bring up wounds from the past or that type of thing, but, but we look at stuff and it's like sin is just not that simple. And why we sin is it's just not that simple. And the same is as we look at the life of Judas, and there's four factors I'm going to talk about. Uh, and it's not just one, it's really, it's all of them. And the same is when we look at our own lives, there are these different factors that cause us to sin, to kind of step away from God. So here's the first one, is Judas was greedy. Judas was greedy. And, you know, and that is definitely a factor. I mean, you, it was said that he took money out of the money bag, so you can see the greed factor there. They were going to pay him 30 pieces of silver, so there's a financial gain there. There's a greed factor. You know, and as you look at your life, Maybe one of the reasons that you sin is you look back and say, why did I sin? Why did I do that? Or as you look forward and say, how can I avoid sin in the future? It could be that greed is a part of it. And greed is one of those things, just as far as 
uh, sin that it's really hard to spot in ourselves, but it's pretty easy to spot in other people. So it takes a little bit deeper of a look to find out, are we greedy? But the thing about greed is there's financial greed, which is kind of what most of us think about, but there's other types of greed as well. Like we can be greedy with our time. You know, we can be selfish with our time, and we're like, you know, I just, I need to have some me time. I need, you know, self-care. I got to take care of me. I got to, you know, and that's kind of a buzzword, like self-care, and I'm all about self-care and making sure that we're healthy spiritually, emotionally, and all that kind of stuff, but sometimes we can become so miserly with our time that it's really, it's a form of greed because we're like, it's all about me, and we stop caring and, and kind of extending ourselves to other people. You know, but there's other forms of greed as well. You know, we can be greedy for power. We can be greedy for the approval of others. We can be greedy for sex. We can be greedy for status. We can be greedy for food. We can be, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can be greedy for, not just money. And that's a factor that contributes to those times when we sin. Here's the second factor of Judas betraying Jesus, is Judas was tempted by Satan. Judas was tempted by Satan, and, and Satan is mentioned, the devil is mentioned throughout these different um, stories of Judas and, and how he's described. Um, but, you know, it's interesting, as you, and we're not going to talk a lot about Satan and all that kind of thing, but there is the reality that there is a real Satan, and he wants to derail our lives. He wants to cause us to sin. He wants to cause us to have distance between us and Jesus. And, and the thing about that is, is the, what Satan is a mastermind at is lies and deception and twisting. That Satan will twist a truth so that it becomes appealing. You know, even as you look at the Empire Strikes Back and all that kind of stuff, like the appeal when Darth Vader turned from Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader, there was an appeal to the dark side bringing him in. The same with trying to bring in uh, Luke Skywalker. But it's, there's this appeal, there's this twisting of the truth. Satan will also tell us lies about our situation or about ourselves. He will lie to us and say, you're no good, you're this way, you're that way, you'll never change. You'll, and he lies to us. And he also, Satan will also use other people. And we need to be aware of that, that sometimes Satan will use somebody else as an instrument in our lives to draw us away from Jesus. There's a verse that Peter wrote um, where Peter says, uh, Satan is like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. And that's just the reality of the world that we live in, that Satan has influence here, and he wants to devour us. He wants to derail us. He wants us to sin. Here's a third contributing factor. Judas was sinful, right? Now, that seems like, uh, obviously, Judas was, Judas was sinful. Um, may seem a bit of an obvious statement, but here's why I share that. Um, so this week, I did a little bit of research, kind of looking up and kind of reading the scriptures, but also looking at some articles and what people had said about why did Judas betray Jesus. And there's different sort of betrayal theories that are out there. Um, but one of the betrayal theories is that Judas was bad from the beginning, that that was his plan from the beginning, which as I read the scriptures, I'm like, I don't think that betrayal theory is very accurate because it, um, just reading a couple of different things, but I think that truth helps us in, in the sense of this, is that Judas was sinful, 
but so are we. Right? Like all of us have a sin nature. All of us are self-centered. All of us are self-reliant. All of us are self-interested. All of us, you can put self in all kinds of, of all different words, and that describes us, that we have this sin nature in us. And, and I share the fact that we're sinful, and that's probably not a surprise to you, uh, nor to me, that I'm sinful, nor that you're sinful, but, but I share that because it's helpful to keep that in mind that all of us are always susceptible to sin. That, that I think if we ever get to the point where we would say, I would never do that, that that opens us up to doing that. I would never be unfaithful. I would never double-cross somebody. I would never lie. I would never, what, whatever you put in the never, I think that's kind of a, a, a danger zone to go, you know what? I always have the propensity to sin, and I need to keep that in mind to keep up my borders, to keep up my boundaries, to keep up accountability with other people, to be humble before the Lord and say, if not for the grace of God, there would go I in whatever that would be for you. Here's the fourth factor that contributed to the betrayal. Judas put his own goals first. Judas put his own goals first. You know, all of us have a plan about how we want our lives to go, right? And so when you began following Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you started following Jesus because you're like, I think that I want to be in relationship with him, and that's going to enhance my life. And so we all have that, and Judas had that as well. But we also have kind of goals in our lives. And Judas, as we look at his life, um, and this is kind of, again, one of these sort of um, theories, but I think it, it, it really resonates with me, is that if you remember the time that Judas and Jesus and the disciples lived, that they lived at a point in time where the Romans were occupying the land of Israel. But as, you look at the, as they looked at the Old Testament scriptures, it talked about a Messiah. And there are a lot of people that looked at the Old Testament and they said that we're going to have a conquering Messiah. And now is the perfect time for a conquering military Messiah to come and to overthrow the Roman government so that now we can set up this incredible state, you know, kind of like it was back in the day of David. And they had this in mind. And Judah, Judas, I think, had that same sort of mentality of, I want a, a conquering Messiah. But as Jesus' life unfolded, as he saw, as he heard, and as he taught, it became clear to Judas that it wasn't going to go that way. And so one of the theories of betrayal is that Judas was really trying to force Jesus' hand. That if I can get him arrested and put in prison and, and this kind of thing, then he will throw off the chains and that will be the catalyst to start this revolution of this conquering Messiah. And he was like, I'm just trying to help Jesus do what I want Jesus to do for me and for our nation. But obviously, if that was Judas's reason, it didn't work. Because as Jesus was arrested, he didn't fight off. He was actually silent before his accusers. He was quiet. He didn't, you know, he didn't try and get out of it. He went down the path that was the path that God wanted for him. And, and I share that with you because one of the reasons that we sin is because our goals 
and God's goals are sometimes at odds with each other. And sometimes they overlap, but sometimes they don't. And what do you do in that situation when you want one thing for yourself and God wants something else for you? Do you say, I'm going to take my will or am I going to take God's will? In a sense, that's what Judas was doing. You know, there's that, there's that great phrase of not my will, but yours be done. And, and when you pray and when you're asking God for things, how do you pray? Do you close your prayers like, I, I want this, I want this, I want this. Not my will be done, but yours be done. Or do you close your prayers by saying, and God, if you don't give me this, I'm not really sure that I'm going to follow. I mean, there's, the, there's a difference there. And so we ask that question of do we have a spirit of ourselves in our prayer and just in the way that we live. We say, not my will, but yours be done. You know, when you walked into church an hour ago, did anybody expect that you'd be called Judas? Like, like you are a Judas, right? But that's kind of what I've said. I'm pointing the finger at myself too, like I am a Judas. But I think it's helpful because what we're after I think what you're after, I know what I'm after, is I want to be as close to Jesus as I can. I want to as close a walk with Jesus as I can. But I recognize that my sin will separate me from the intimacy that I want with Jesus. And so we ask ourselves these questions about our lives. Is there greed in our lives? About money, about approval, about time? Do we have this greed to us that separates, that causes us to sin? Do we recognize when Satan is tempting us? Do we recognize that, yeah, sometimes we believe the lies that Satan gives to us? Do I have a sin nature? Yes, we have a sin nature. And just recognizing that we all have a propensity to sin. And I think it also helps to know kind of what our, what our buttons are, like how am I most likely to sin and recognizing that. And then the last part is, do I put my desires and my goals above Jesus and what he wants for me? And I think as we do that, as we take that introspective look, it will help us to grow closer to Jesus and to stop moving away from him with our sin.